welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 I've begun using a really cool service from Aviva IQ, and it's made my life so much easier. My guests love receiving all the important details about their stay exactly when they need it. And I love all the five-star reviews I'm getting on communication. Check them out at www.avivaiq.com. Episode 200 of Get Paid for Your Pad. Epic milestone. And I have a very special guest today to celebrate the 200th episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. He is the longest hosting host in the city of Lafayette, started in 2013. He's got 1,776 reviews, which is the most I've ever seen of any Airbnb host. He's a full-time university professor of athletic training and sports medicine. He teaches tennis part-time. He owns a company, promotes live music events. And he's also a traveler. He's traveled to dozens of countries. And he's also a serial Airbnb entrepreneur. He's been releasing on Airbnb. He owns property. And he's also co-hosting, managing other people's Airbnb listings. So, And he has his own website. So lots of things to talk about. So welcome to the show, Toby Dore. Great to be here. Awesome to have you, man. Wow, yeah, you've got thanks. a lot of stuff going on. One of the things when you read my profile, and I'm not sure exactly when that was written. So I've been to about 40 countries up to now. So yeah, that's been a big part of the Airbnb experience, of course, staying overseas. And then I've gotten out of the live music thing, just not enough time for that. I picked up a couple more subjects teaching at the university as well. So Very cool. Well, uh, we have a lot to talk about, so let's get started. You started Airbnb hosting in March 2013, which Mm -hmm. is four and a half years ago or so. So let's go back to 2013. Like, What led you to try Airbnb? I was reading a book called The Joy of Less. So at the time, I was basically, the book premise was cleaning out your entire house, taking all your furniture, your utensils, pictures off the wall, cleaning the house, and then moving back in and basically a minimalism book. Coincidentally, at the same time, I was also managing two live music venues. And one of the bands that was traveling through, they were a a couple. And I was telling them after the show that I had planned a six-week trip across the U.S. to rent a car. And I was going to drive to Canada and back from Louisiana, which if you know the geographics of that, it's on the opposite side of the United States drove to Vancouver and back. And so she wrote down on a nap and two things, Airbnb.com and Marfa, Texas. And I, and I remember that waking up the next morning and pulling the napkin out and going to the website. And she kind of explained to me the premise in a loud music venue of what Airbnb was about. And so on that eight-week trip, 
driving 8,000 miles, I started using Airbnb as a platform, as a, a place to stay instead of staying in hotels. Luckily, also at the same time, I listed my house and almost immediately two guys rented my entire house, three-bedroom house, for two months while I was gone. It basically paid for the rental car and, and the gas for the entire trip. I was actually staying in Airbnbs across the country and had no idea people were reviewing me. I didn't realize that until I got home. Another interesting thing was that I didn't even know how to block out my rooms because I had my bedrooms listed and also the entire house. Well, these guys had the entire house booked and I didn't know how popular this thing was, but I was constantly getting these messages on my phone, like literally several a day that they wanted to rent my bedrooms and I hadn't blocked them out. I didn't even know how to block them out. I'm like, this is really popular. Like I said, there were only, you know, one or two other hosts in Lafayette who aren't even active in it anymore. And my first experience was a $25 concrete dome shelter in the middle of a, the Texas desert, completely solar powered. One of the most frightening nights of my life. That was my first Airbnb experience. <laughs> so <laughs> my second one was in a teepee in downtown Portland in a girl's backyard. I stayed right out in the third one. I think I was stayed outside of a motorhome right outside of Mount Rushmore, the little town where you visit Mount Rushmore in Wyoming. So, so it was great first experiences. It's very unique. Awesome. And you know, moving forward, mm -hmm. four years later, you have six listings. You're managing two listings. Mm -hmm. You're through the co-hosting option on Airbnb. You rent a studio in Lafayette that you then rent out on Airbnb. So that's the releasing model, as it's called. And then you also own a property which has three units. It has a hostel. It has a private loft and a cabin. You're basically doing every type of business you can do on Airbnb. You're, you're basically doing it. Exactly. And that's why I'm really excited to chat to you because you know you have a a lot of experience. You've tried out all these different things, so I think there's I'm sure there's a lot of learning lessons that you can share with the audience. You're also running out on VRBO, Airbnb, and Flipkey, so you're using multiple channels, and you have your own website, CajunHostel.com. So. Correct. Man, I, I don't really know where to start. I was going to say, you know, let's go through those three models, right? The releasing, the co-hosting management, and then the property that you own. And can you share some of the challenges, the pros and the cons and the, and the learning lessons of these three different types of business models? Yeah, absolutely. The most, I guess, profitable and successful thing is to obviously have the property that you own. Where I originally started was with my home. I had a two-bedroom home with an office. I completely cleaned out the office that I never used because I have an office at the university. I just fell in love with the hostel scene, which is not a big deal in the United States. If you didn't grow up here or don't live in the United States, hostels are not like they are in other parts of the world. They're not popular. And so I basically put bunk beds in that room and then um, use my spare bedroom also as a separate listing. That part itself was immediately profitable basically because of the fact that the income from the Airbnb was paying off my own mortgage. 
plus all the utilities, plus some extra money as far as, you know, international travel. And that was great. One of the things that I would say would be a warning was, you know, it got to the point where I never had a place to live. Basically, people were renting out my entire house. They also were able to rent out the rooms and the bunk beds. However, there was so much demand. There weren't a lot of hosts at the time in Lafayette. That's changed quite a bit in four years. At the time, the tourists that were coming through knew about Airbnb. Basically, I was talking to some friends and I was like, I need a a little studio apartment, something small with very low rent. You know, I don't need a lot of stuff. Uh, You know, I'm basically a minimalist now. And I was talking to them at a restaurant and these couple, they said, you know, we would love to have you as our neighbors. We know of a place that's going to be available any day now. And it's in the middle of downtown where I frequent, you know, often anyway, about a mile from my house. And so I went and checked the place out. It wasn't the nicest place from the outside, but I really fixed up the inside and got a really, really, really low rent, which hasn't changed to this day, and started living there and continuing to rent out my house. Now, the job of the university provides me with an opportunity to travel about four months out of the year. And so... When I traveled, I just set up that little apartment, the studio apartment that I'm still subletting today, listed that on Airbnb as well. And so when I would come home, I basically moved back into the apartment. So that was the second model, which works fine. And then, of course, I started to kind of get greedy and I ended up renting two other houses from the same gentleman, plus two other houses from a different friend of mine. And so I ended up having seven houses, but I had five rent payments and it was fantastic for a while. And I would hop around from house to house, which people thought was kind of weird, <laughs> but that's kind of was my life with a backpack. Unfortunately, it got to the point where two things happened. I realized that there was a slow season in Lafayette and a very busy season. Also, the popularity of the hosting here in Lafayette just took a huge increase. So a lot more competition and I was stuck here with these these prop not stuck, but you know, I was in some leases that I got out of. So I quickly got out of that model, except for that one studio apartment that I started with, and realized, you know, I gotta start adding on to my own house. And so that's when I got into the third section of this is where I basically started adding on. So I turned a storage shed in my backyard into a tiny house and then eventually turned my attic into a private studio apartment. My neighbor next door had been living to me for several years. He eventually found out what I was doing through the music booking business. And he approached me and said, look, I'm tired of people messing up my house, people constantly moving in and out, not paying the rent and just disappearing smoking in the house. And he said, why don't we try to do something with Airbnb and you can help. At the same time, Airbnb had launched their co-hosting platform. And so that's when I got into that model. And so we rely on that model right now. It's been about 13 months now. And so we use that model where we split percentages of the profit and I do all the management. That's working out well. Awesome. So let's start with the co-hosting. Is there anything you would have done differently? Like when now that you're 13 months in? It was interesting going to my first ever 
Airbnb conference was because they were very excited and pushing out this co-hosting platform where you can share money percentage wise, you know, where say for instance, the host who owns the house, they get 80% of the profits and then they automatically Airbnb will dump 20% of a hosting fee into the, yeah, the manager's account, which would be me. I had been doing these types of arrangements with some of these other property owners, you know, on my own. In fact, still today, I currently, I charge a flat fee to the home that I manage in New Orleans, which is two hours away. One of the things that with my uh, neighbor next door, we started out with agreement before we knew anything about co-hosting and just said, look, let's do this. We'll take all the expenses, which would be utilities and your internet bill and your gas bill, electric bill. One of my managers, cleaning managers, she actually goes out and purchases toilet paper towels, tea, coffee for all the houses. And we're going to split the percentage after all these expenses are paid. And so that model was working out pretty well. You know, we had to sit down and grind some things out with an Excel spreadsheet. Now we're moving into a platform where we're actually using the Airbnb hosting system. It's gotten a little bit complicated based on the fact that we still have this, this same agreement. However, instead of all the money in the pot coming to me every month, now he gets his percentage and I get my percentage. And so it's kind of made things a little bit confusing. So what I would suggest to people who go to that platform is to decide to not use that platform. But in other words, if you're going to be interested in co-hosting for your neighbor or someone like that, have an agreement and a contract which says, okay, the manager is going to pay for all the cleaning. The owner of the house pays for all the supplies where it's all cut and dry. None of this splitting in percentage basis. And then you can essentially decide who's going to obviously manage the cleaning. In my case, I have the cleaning people and the owner of the house doesn't have to really do anything. And so that's kind of what I would suggest is making sure that Instead of having all these percentages that I explained earlier, was making sure that each individual knows what they're responsible for paying. I think one of the things that keeps getting tossed up in the air is, you know, who's going to pay for the utilities? And if you look at most management contracts, for instance, I looked at several management companies that manage condos in Florida, and almost every one of them, you know, the owner of the house pays for the utility bills. And so that was one of the things that we kind of discussed back and forth. Who pays for the internet? Who pays for the, the electricity and the gas bill? Or do we split that cost? And, uh, you know, you want to put that on the owner of the house. And then from my standpoint, if you think about it, because I'm managing my cleaning people, I decide how much I pay them per hour or salary. You know, when one quits, I've got to hire another one of cleaning. So I'm managing it. So if I'm charging cleaning fees, all that should come to me. Even if we don't charge cleaning fees, then, you know, that's my responsibility to pay for the cleaning staff to have insurance for those workers. So that that's what I would suggest is, you know, I, I went through the pitfalls of doing it the other route, but it's definitely how I would do it differently. Hosts, does it feel like you're spending way too much time responding to questions from your Airbnb guests? Is the fear of a possible bad review keeping you up at night? 
I recently learned about a really helpful service called Aviva IQ. With Aviva IQ, my workload and worries have reduced dramatically. All I had to do was link my Airbnb listings to Aviva IQ, create my messages and schedule delivery times. That's it. I can't believe how easy it was to set up. Now I can sit back and relax knowing that my guests receive all the important details on time, every time. Everybody sleeps better. Check them out at www.avivaiq.com. Now let's talk about the property that you own. You have a hostel there, you have a loft and you have a cabin. So how do you manage all that? I learned a lot of tricks, even on that first trip. The following year after driving to Vancouver, I decided to drive to what I call the motherland, where my ancestors are from, to New Brunswick, Nova Scotia area, another 8,000 mile trip. So I stayed in a lot of Airbnbs in those two consecutive summers, and I picked up so many tips from these different hosts, particularly one summer when, uh, when I stopped in Las Vegas. This was literally five years ago. Now it's a platform on Airbnb where you can buy key-coded doors. And that was the first thing that I saw that I wanted to make a change when I got home, especially for someone like me who has a full-time job and travels overseas four months out of the year. Everything is automated. So basically, I call it a hostel, but I don't take walk-up cash. I don't take credit cards. I don't have to worry about checking passports and IDs. Everything is done online. Once they confirm the booking, they get a code. So basically, each one of the three properties has a keypad code lock on them. Also, the private rooms. So my hostel basically has two private rooms and they have key coded locks on the doors as well. And so they actually get two codes whenever they confirm a reservation. This is a secret, but I'm going to let it out right now. Is My manager for the past year and a half has never been here. I've never met the guy. He lives in Venezuela. so <laughs> He's actually just moved to Colombia. So basically, he does the management of the reservations online. And that's another thing um, that has helped me out a lot because he's bilingual. And also, he's very on task. He's in a different time zone, but you know he's probably one of the best people who've ever worked for me in, in any kind of business that I've been involved with. As far as the management of it, with all the other things going on, plus teaching tennis part-time, you've got to utilize your staff as much as possible. And do you have any other staff? I imagine you probably have a bunch of cleaners. You're right. So the manager, I call him my manager. His primary job is booking reservations and leaving reviews. I have my sister-in-law who's been with me. She's actually run the entire company for about six months in the past. And then she ended up having two children back to back. So she now is pretty much my solid cleaning person. And then I have another individual who's been with me for two years as well. She's got 17 years of cleaning experience and managing a cleaning company. And she started out just cleaning my house before I even got into Airbnb and I gave her a call one day. I've also been through some interns from the university. So the university's totally fine with me having, as long as I pay them, of course, paying paid interns, business management, hospitality management, and they just get unbelievable amount of experience. I also use a company called World Packers. So I give them a dorm bed in the dorm room 
in exchange for doing cleaning and some of the social media and marketing. Those guys usually stay one or two months, and I think I've had six or seven of those, and we're waiting on another one to show up any day. As much as I've done with different arrangements with landlords and other property owners and my own house, I've done a lot of variety of things as well as far as the management. And I haven't really had any other choice because I have the full-time job and the traveling. So So you've pretty much completely outsourced all of your Airbnb businesses. That's pretty amazing. Would you mind sharing like some numbers about you know what the percentages that you're getting for managing the units and what you're paying your your own Airbnb management and the other staff members? This is the southern deep south of the United States in a town of about 150,000 population. And so when you have to think about cost of living comparable to where I am. So the house that I manage in New Orleans, this is an upscale three-bedroom, three-bath house in an upscale neighborhood in uptown, what we call uptown New Orleans. And so we worked out a deal. The the owner happens to be a very, very close friend of mine. He actually lives downstairs. So I don't handle any of the cleaning. Basically, we handle the reservations because he's two hours away. And he much preferred just doing a flat fee. Percentages make more sense. However, if this is in New Orleans, Louisiana. You know, in my opinion, a shortage of hostels and hotels and then there's Airbnb has just flourished there. So the place is constantly booked. Basically, I would say the flat fee percentage wise ends up being probably something like 30 percent of the profit. And then the next door house that I manage here now, I'm doing a one time thing because it was a learning experience for both of us. And we said we were going to do a trial where we split 80-20. So 80% of the profits go to him, 20% of the profits go to me. You know, I've looked at several contracts, uh, different types of property management. New Orleans even has its own specific short-term rental Airbnb property management company. manages like two dozen properties. And, you know, their fee is somewhere around 30 to 35%. And so in the future, that's kind of where I'm looking to go if I want to take on and decide to take on any other. Basically, what I'm saying is, you know, you're looking in a 30 or 35 percent ballpark, whereas my next door neighbor, he's kind of getting like an introduction fee percentage wise. So my house that I live in now, I'm sorry, the one that I own, the hostel, what I call Cajun Hostel on the Crest. On average, across the 12 months, because we have high and low seasons, I keep sell spreadsheets. I have them for the last three years. Definitely pays my mortgage, plus all the utility bills, plus probably another 20%, I'd say, profit from the house itself. Now, the additions, you know, I've actually had to take out some home improvement loans to do these additions. And if I had to give some advice to people, if they were looking to invest in Airbnb, at least where I live now is the tiny homes in the studio apartments. That's why I chose to do two places on on my property. I anticipate I'll have those loans paid off in less than two years, the way that the profits are coming in right now. Right. And that's the loft and the cabin in your backyard. 
Right. So, for instance, last night and now October is the second busiest month of the year. Saturday night, I think I have 22 beds total because of the hostel and everything, including New Orleans. Other than the cabin, which I'm sleeping in, I move around from studio to studio. Every bed was booked Friday and Saturday night. So there was nothing available. If I had moved out in the morning, and this is for those of you listening, I highly recommend visiting Lafayette, Louisiana. It hasn't hit TripAdvisor yet. It hasn't hit Lonely Planet yet. I think Lonely Planet calls it the hidden gym secret now or something like that. So on a Friday, Saturday night, I've had had people from all over the world staying here. And it's right along the interstate from New Orleans. So... Awesome, dude. Well, I'm really impressed with how you're able to manage all these different businesses. And at the same time, uh, you also have a full-time job and you're traveling, you do all sorts of really cool shit. So, um, you know, congratulations on your, on your success. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been awesome to talk to you. We're getting to the end of the episodes. Do you have any final words for the listeners and also how the listeners can find you if they're ever in Lafayette or in the area? If you're interested in traveling to Lafayette, especially, you know, while I'm, I'm in town and I can show you around, you just go to uh, www.cajunhostel.com. Of course, I use Airbnb, so you can book through the website, but it'll link you to our Airbnb site. Cajun Hostel, we have a Facebook page for every, every one of our locations. And also, I do, we didn't talk about this, but I do have a travel blog as well. And it's uh, CajunTraveler.net. CajunTraveler.net is my travel blog. And so you can get in touch with me that way as well. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot for your time, Toby. It was great talking to you. And for all the listeners out there, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And we'll be back on Friday. So I hope to see you then. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get paid for your pet.